41039 and News Zone. Welcome back to Real Talk. It's your host, Mr. Matt Munoz. And of course, it's everybody's favorite segment. DDUs. With Cesario Grasso. How's it going, Cesario? <laughs> well, Cesario has actually been here a while. We've been talking off air about Oof. all the about crazy stuff. You yeah, know, over an hour. A little, a little therapy here and a little friendly therapy to yep. each other, doing all that stuff. But let's talk about E! News. Yep. Okay, movie reviews and your famous chili dog rating system. Oh, yeah. The well, we dogs. could talk about the movie that... Let's start out with the movie that we actually both saw. Yeah, a couple days ago. Wednesday. A couple days ago, we went over to see the Carlos Santana documentary... Carlos. Yeah, a Santana journey. A Santana I kept, journey. although in the, the when you re, when you look it up, it says Carlos, the Santana journey. Right. But it's just called Carlos. It's just Carlos. It's just Carlos. Yeah. <laughs> There's no colon there. No. Or comma. It's just Carlos. Yeah. So we went over there. We got the. We, I remember we got the tickets early because we thought, you know, hey, well, let's go watch it. You yeah. Know, boom, boom, boom. It's kind of like limited engagement. I think they showed it like three days because it's like the premiere week. Yeah. It, yeah. It's very limited. Mm-hmm. And only two theaters, one showing each theater, you know, either 7 o'clock or yeah. 7.45. And that was it. So we get it. We get to pick the movie, the seats that we are front, yeah. you know, middle center. Yep. Love that. Yeah. Uh, we show up. I think we were two of six people in the movie Six theater. max. Yeah, there were yeah. only six people. We knew all six. Yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting experience at the Reading Valley Plaza. I didn't know that they served uh, beer there. Yeah, and they also have a full menu with cheeseburgers, yeah. tacos, you know. Yeah, street tacos and all that stuff, which when you go to Maya Cinemas and right. you watch that ad with the young lady who says, you know, Maya Cinemas, you know, the, the rewards program, and she goes, you, you can put the rewards towards street tacos, and she actually orders street tacos uh-huh. in the video. I'm like, I've been to Maya a bazillion times, and I've never seen them order I serve street tacos. I think they only do it during the day at a certain time. I think. Well, why, that's not right because not, Reading Cinemas had like a full menu. Oh, oh ready to go yeah. too. And I, I did. You the, had like the stuffed baked baked potato skin. No, I got or, the I got the loaded potato uh, <laughs> potato fries or wedges, whatever they were. They were delicious. Yeah, they and the delicious. Mondo beer. No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> you had the ginormous icy, which is like a signature Cesario order. Order. All right. Well, let's talk it. about the film. So yeah. we knew going in, this is going to be like this long-awaited Santana documentary. There has not been a, like an official, no, kind of like authorized documentary by Carlos Santana by choice because yeah. he even said so in the introduction that I've been approached by a lot of different people, but nope, nope. Yeah. And and th- there's something that has to be said about a caveat about this is that as entertaining as it was and as fun as it is to watch the old footage and to see you know the the, the the home footage and the more intimate stuff it's really you have to keep in mind that this is at the end of the day a documentary about Carlos Santana okayed by Carlos Santana yeah. with with the backing so basically it's like he's putting on his own party well you you talk about an authorized so yeah. authorized means the subject gets the last word yep. on it if it's unauthorized it's like you know, anything goes. Yeah. Uh, on the record, off the record, it all goes, and it's kind of up to you. The subject has not approved of this. Right. So there could be some truth, but they just don't want it out. So Well, like, there's some deep trauma that happened to yeah. to, to, to Carlos, Carlos yeah. Santana when he was younger, and he goes into it, thankfully not into a lot of detail, but it could have been a little bit more... Uh, observed and how it affected the rest of his life, but that could be something that he doesn't really want to go into, or he doesn't have to go into. We don't. We're not. The thing about it is, as as viewers, we're not privy to every single detail of anybody's life. But usually, but you remember the 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 Rolling Stone article when you talked about. But yeah, about absolutely, yeah. I remember the issue. But and, and, but again, it's like even though we're not privy to it, it's like if this was uh, an actual uh, a really full fledged 
documentary or something that was a little bit more uh, analytical or maybe just more laser focused on him you know they would have gone into some of the more uncomfortable aspects of his life yeah. uh, and into a little more detail not, not, not be salacious but like for example in that same interview he mentioned about how you know he believed that an angel named Metatron was yeah. in charge of all of the things in his life and he doesn't mention Metatron once in the movie no. uh, but and, th- and that could be when you talk about you know childhood trauma and people who go through this everybody go see the film Yeah, uh, you could actually look up the story Rolling Stones from uh, was it from the 90s right yeah it was, it was, it was around the time of Super Supernatural it was, when he it was really exactly. opened up about, and I remember that article where he talked about his anger issues and that what's kind of it it contributed to the to the the breakdown of his marriage. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff that he that he opens up about. But you know, he only got how long was the film? About, about an hour and 45, 52, yeah. with the intro, the separate intro with director yeah. Rudy Valdez. It was an hour. It started at seven. It was done at nine fifty. Yeah. Uh, sorry, eight fifty, eight fifty, and, and and again, it's like these are details that we not might not be privy to, or we don't even need to know whether it's abuse or divorce or anything mm-hmm. else or these salacious details. But really delving into a person's demons and really delving into the darker side of them, that's kind of part of an examination of a person's life. Yeah, you know? but uh, but let me just tap on that. So Metatron, when you talk about that, I think. And, and this is just me because of, you know, you read these stories about pe- people who have dealt with childhood trauma that kind of yeah. follow them for most of their life is that they develop these kind of uh, kind of ghostly figures, spiritual yeah. figures in their life that kind of that's kind of like they're it's, it's like with with kids, who you know, they have imaginary friends. Right. And right. they kind of someone that they go to. And Carlos has always been a very spiritual person. Uh, when I interviewed him, he talked about like. Uh, in my interview, the interview that you just heard, which you can lis- listen to on the Real Talk podcast, where he talks about like I'm no longer Catholic, right? And so, but he's still a very uh, he's a very devoted believer in uh, Jesus uh-huh. and the Virgin Mary, and he's a man of faith. Yeah, he's a, yeah. He's a man of spiritual. He's a spiritual man without necessarily following any God. Yeah, and yeah. so I think Metatron is almost kind of like extension of that because you're talking about this, like an Absolutely. angelic figure yeah. who just happened no, to it, have that name. That's exa- it is exactly what it is. It's an angelic figure. Yeah. And a I guardian th- angel. A guardian angel. And the thing is, for anybody, whether it's God, Jehovah, Yahweh, whatever it is that, that leads you to be a better person, mm-hmm. all the power to you. All the power of God to you. Yeah. One, you, you know, whether you believe yourself one of God's children or not, if you're doing well, that's what it is. Yeah. And, and, but, but never mind, everybody. Yeah. That's not what the entire no. documentary is about. However... It's one of those things where it's like, uh, I mean, it is kind of weird that we kind of start off with that yeah. <laughs> because it kind of like, it's more towards the end of the film where he starts to talk about that. But if they had that at the beginning, they're like, oh man, maybe this is what, it, well, it makes sense. That's what drove him to be such a success right? because he had to kind of rise above so much adversity yeah. and a strict parent, a strict father, yeah. uh, but a loving mother who was very, you know, just kind of submissive and yeah. restrained and you know, loved her children, held it down, traditional Mexican family. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot there's a lot of elements to this. Yeah, the main message that the movie kind of like portrays is that Carlos Santana is a man who pretty much his entire life, whether it was through his own mom or his sister or his dad or just society in general saying, You're not gonna do that and him doing it. You know, and again, it's like there's a part in the in the movie where he starts off where he tells his mom that he's going to buy her buy her a house and a washing machine and all these other things, and she's all, "Yeah, it's okay, thanks, Michael." And he's all, "No, no, no, don't, don't, 
don't, don't just put yeah. it side aside. Don't, don't, don't put don't, me down. Yeah, no, don't. What is it? They don't he said, "Don't patronize me." Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I'm serious. I'm gonna get it. And then, of course, later on, yeah, it becomes a huge success. And you know, he's on. There's no greater feeling than you know keeping your promise to your mom. And but again, they re, they say that same thing again when he gets on Ed Sullivan. And then the, the the sisters are like going, "You said that he was gonna be on that show, and there he is on that show." So it's like they basically show this portrait of a person who's fought everything in his life Mm -hmm. you know whether it's trauma whether it's uh, uh, um, fighting for success but also having a very clear vision just like he said about his mom about what he is that Mm -hmm. he wanted and also having so and probably being fueled by that same spiritual kind of um, impetus to become and make choices that were for the betterment of his career because if you look at Carlos Santana's career you look at this huge spike exploding into the mainstream you know, from the counterculture, yeah, kind of like creating this, 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 like they say, this, this form of music, which is like a, a combination of BB King and Tito Puente, yeah, you know, and just taking over, and then hitting from between, uh, I guess, eighty-two to ninety-two, or just having this, this spiritual awakening. Where yeah, I, just, I, I like the fact that he, they talked about him yeah. when he went into the into the the spiritual thing. Became Devadip uh, Carlos Santana with yeah. I believe with John McLaughlin. I think so. Did, doesn't they? Yeah. Didn't they? Yeah, I think it was like the Welcome album. Um, let, let's start. Let, let's kind of let's go back to like how the movie looks and, and right at the very beginning. So yeah. it starts off with you know like a desert scene and they're going out to kind of like have a kind of like uh, be out, kind of, out in the middle of the desert the campfire campfire and he's going to talk about it. The movie looks great. Carlos looks healthy. Um, yeah, Carlos looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and you know and I was also kind of worried like I, I'm always worried about like our you know us Latino musicians. You know we only have so many of our kind of like idols to. To look up to, yeah, <laughs> that are doing stuff on such a grand scale. You got to, of course, you had Jerry Garcia, yeah, you know, who never did any Latin music, but you knew it was Jerry, you know, because he's like, you know, and Carlos Santana right there <laughs> doing the same thing. So it starts off with and, you and know, he's, life, and he's mentioned, Jerry, yes, Jerry Garcia. oh, of course. Well, they're they're cut from that same <laughs> that, that same scene in the Bay Area. So it talks about his life growing up in Tijuana, and then ending up in you know San Francisco and doing all that in the entrance. So young, uh, meeting Bill Graham, uh, picking up the band, and just kind of taking chances, jumping into that whole San Francisco scene. Looks amazing. Of course, they they go into when they get to Woodstock. To uh-huh. me. The performance of Soul Sacrifice ranks as one of the all-time greatest live performances of any genre of all time. One when of the he, greatest drum performances yeah. from that. From yeah, that, he was he was only young. Yeah, yeah. Um, by Michael Shreve. The yeah, drummer, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's which he dropped out of high school to do yeah. that, and that was it. Okay, so then we go into the different phases of Carlos Santana. Yeah, and then we we basically hits the first three albums. And then after that, he kind of he talks about the estrangement that he's having from his, you know, the the detachment that he's having between himself and and yeah, fame, 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 and then the band has to work, 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 and all that stuff. Over three hundred gigs in one year, and and you know, it's like you, it's kind of the same. The same thing that we've heard in other documentaries about, you know, how fame hits people. It's like you, you spend your whole life kind of like working towards that, that success, and then when success finally hits, nobody's ever ready for it. There has never been a music documentary where somebody goes, you know what? When success hit, we were ready. No, nope. nobody, not no. one, <laughs> not one. Nobody's ever like ready everybody for that. wants to party. Everybody wants to get the chicks, wants to do the drugs, <laughs> and then and it's then, over. But they, at the same time, her. that's when when Carlos gets to give his his mom the check for the. 
for the house yeah, and, the, and, and the dishwasher yeah, they, they, and everything like that. Which I th- I believe I believe Tito Puente also got to buy his uh, his first home with the uh, royalty check from Carlos Santana's cover of Oye Como Va. So everybody, so everybody, everybody was getting paid at the time. <laughs> everybody was getting paid at the time. So I really love I really love all the archive footage which you, which I've never seen anywhere before. Yeah. Uh, in the beginning of the film, Rudy, uh, director Rudy Valdez talks about how like there was like two floors of archive footage. Yeah, yeah. They, they, we got a little bit. That, yeah. You know, the, so there's a lots of stuff in there. It talks them, shows them in all the different stages. I know there was that one scene where they I believe they go to Italy. Uh-huh. And it's a 1971, and he says, uh, and the reporter's all, you know, with thick accent, Carlos Santana, like, what did you get into music? Yeah, and he's, and he's eating. just eating, just looking, and he looks over, and the guy's, and the guy's next to him, just answer, man. He doesn't say a word. He doesn't say a word. so young that, you know, you can see not prepared for fame. Yeah, and, you know? and I can't get over the resemblance, physical resemblance between Carlos Santana and Marcus Reyes. Yeah. <laughs> They, they, they might as well be cousins or brothers. They look so We'll alike. talk about a diehard Santana fan. Marcos oh, has yeah. told, told me uh, some stories. He's like, yeah, like after the football games and he's going to Arvin High School, which you are, you also attended Arvin High. That's 91, baby. And he goes, he goes yeah, after the, after the football games and everybody was going to the dances, I would go home, go into the garage with my percussion. And uh, listen to Caravanserai. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the proof of the pudding. Too, yeah, you know? which is the, which is the album that was kind of like probably the first time he heard like this is going to be career suicide, you know, right. because he comes off of Robraxis, and then the album's just you know he stays in I believe in Columbia Records. Yeah, which was kind of the place of home of Ray Charles and everybody that he looked up to. He goes, this is where I want to be. Yeah, then he found himself on Island Records for a while, and, and you know it, it's one of like uh, during that time that's when he played at the Kern County Fair. Yeah, you know, speaking. Oh of, yeah, we were talking about that. We were both at that show. It was yeah. ten dollar show. Ten dollar show. It was, a, it was eighty. It was the eighties. Yeah, the first time I ever uh, saw somebody uh, passing a, you know, <laughs> a joint. A joint yeah, in, yeah. Passing a joint. In front it's of legal now, so you could say it's a joint. Marijuana. Marijuana. A reefer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time I saw somebody passing a joint at a, at a concert, and it was just passed right in front of me and was given to me. Yeah. And uh, I went I went with my friend, and uh, it was it was a good time. We had a really yeah. really good time. And it, it's know, a band everybody should see in their lifetime. Yeah, and he was so incredibly magnetic. Yeah. And it was and one of the things that got me about the home footage was that like he would play like these backing tracks that I'm sure he recorded, mm-hmm. and then he would. What's funny is like the, the the backing tracks would just be nothing. It would just be a couple of chords, maybe like one to the four, and he would play these melodies over the top of them. That as soon as he played a melody, it instantly became a Carlos Santana song, mm-hmm. and it became it, it changed. It's like he could find a melody within those chords that one I couldn't even imagine, and the best possible melody that could have come out of that mood in that time. And it's amazing to see that it's like when you when you're talking about people of singular talent, it's Carlos Santana belongs up there with the very people he idolizes, like John Coltrane and Miles. BB King. Yeah. BB King. He belongs up to the point that all those yep. all those musicians, he belongs up there just as much yep, as Yep in the Pantheon of the Greats. Absolutely. Yeah. And in, in, in doing so with an uncompromising vision, uh, a, a set of ethics and, and a fighting spirit, but also at the same time one that evolves. Because the one thing that you kind of see throughout the movie too is that you know he's kind of fought his entire life 
you know, sometimes more angry than he should have by admission to get to where he's at right now, which is a place of contentment mm-hmm. and a place where he can look back at his life and reflect. Now, th- he did do a memoir in 2014. So, you know, he, the story of his life is, has been out ever since that, that, you know, Rolling Stone article. So people know what he's about. But who Carlos Santana is, you know, married to Cindy Blackman Santana, mm-hmm. you know, still playing concerts, still going out Who's, there. Who uh, was uh, Lenny Kravitz's drummer for Lenny many Kravitz, years. Lenny yeah. Kravitz, yeah, for many years. Amazing drummer. Fantastic, yeah. Yep. Very much from the Tony Williams jazz school. Uh, speaking of John McLaughlin, the 70s fusion. Um, and who he is, is, you know, he's just like, he, another another thing that, that, another point that he says throughout the movie is, is that everything is family. Yep. The most important thing is family. Mm-hmm. Whether it's his family with his kids and his wife, or his family with his kids with his ex-wife, or the family he has with his sisters and his, yeah. you know, his, his late dad, and he's like, you know, he's, you know, he's talking about his dad being unfaithful, and you know, you know, ending up yeah, the, the stereotypical, the stereotypical, yeah, when he when he they they go to Tijuana to, yeah. to find him, yeah, the, the dad oh. leave the dad leaves the family, and the mom goes, well, I want to see him tell me to my face, and he yeah. goes to your face, and so she, they find him in a hotel room with a prostitute, yeah, and the dad goes, Ugh, and he goes yeah, back yeah. home with the family, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like the fact that they they have that footage where the him and the him and the father got to play yeah. together and yeah. all that stuff. So there's a lot it of things. It was good. Yeah, was yeah, good. yeah. And it, it, really good. I, You know, I recommend this to everybody who, maybe if you're a well-versed Santana fan, you don't even have to be, you just have to be a music fan. You want to hear a good story about an American story because it really yeah. is an American story, a Mexican-American story. Yeah. Um, somebody who transcended those boundaries that he was kind of born into. Uh, you know, there hadn't been another uh, Latin superstar, Mexican-American superstar since Richie Valens. Yeah. So it was just like, you know, Carlos is our guy. So yeah. we want to see him do well. And, you know, it's just like with somebody like Bob Marley, who kind of, they kind of almost had kind of those same trajectories as far as like their lives and the things that, you know, what music meant to them and the spirituality and the politics was that... Um, they're both coming from a very spiritual place. And they're also coming from a, a, a place of... Uh, expression and mm-hmm. a very clear awareness of the socio-political uh, positions of where they're at in their lives. You know, Santana said it when he when he was just a kid, when the first time he saw he heard somebody being racist towards him, you know, with those chilly-willy yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. Where he's like, wait, are they, t- are they talking to me? You know, and, and that's the thing, it's because Bob Marley's having a, a yeah, his, a, a, his, his biopic. His biopic. And he's also had a lot of uh, really, really good uh Catch a Fire was a good one. Uh, uh, biographies about his life, mm-hmm. you know, and so his his story has been well documented, including all the dark all the dark pieces. And again, mm-hmm. this is not I'm, my my main. I'm not critiquing the lack of salacious details. What I'm what I'm really kind of saying is be cautious to have documentaries okayed by the people that are, are being documented because the authorized the, yeah, the authorized document because you're getting what they're allowing you to hear. Yeah. And the thing is. When Carlos Santana is not a man that deserves or requires an expose. No, he's not. His, he's not a scandalous individual. No, not no. at all. And but the, the, what he is more than anything else is human. Yeah, and absolutely. He's, he's, like Bob Marley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bob, and, like Bob Marley. And then both you of know. those, both of those guys right there, they're 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 human beings first, mm-hmm. and their artistry. And I think that's kind of what comes through with, in their artistry, whether it's Marley's music or Santana's music and his playing, is that they kind of. I have no choice but to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they basically, whether it's through words or through notes or through melody, they they emphasize who they are and their perspectives on the world and their fight through the world through their through their songs. Absolutely. Okay, so musician, musician. Uh, 
the Carlos Santana discography. There's a lot of good stuff. Uh, you know, you got, of course, your, the debut album. Abraxas. And you have Abraxas. Oof. And you got, you know, Caravanserai, yeah. the, the New Age stuff, Welcome, everything like that. And then you get into the 80s. Yeah. Uh, Z-Bop. I'm winning, you know. <laughs> hey, man, you got, gotta stay, gotta stay in the, the ears of the people. Radio hits, everything like that. Yeah. Then you start getting, you know, I mean, gosh, there's Lotus Flower, the live yeah. albums, everything like that. Yeah. And then the Viva Santana album that came out. Then the live in Mexico City, but tons of live stuff out yeah. there, yeah. which the band is best uh, uh, experienced live and in person. You got to see at least once or twice in your life a full Santana show. See him right now yeah. while he's in excellent, still in excellent shape. Uh, we almost lost him a couple times. Yeah, like, no kidding. But he's still here. But and he was always going to surround himself by some of the top musicians. At the t- there's a part of the interview where Whoopi Goldberg is talking at, at that time, and uh-huh. I think it was this was pre um, Supernatural. Supernatural. He had already gone through 30 incarnations of the band. Yeah, 36. Yeah, 36. That doesn't. Yeah, I think that's the number she said. So when you talk about like, what would you suggest as as a musician? Like, what are the the premium Santana? Picks for musicians out there. Like, if you want to get like, what's the best? Because he's got you. Can, you should listen to them all, so you can see like how a musician has developed from being a youth in the first album to the present to the post uh, Supernatural. You know, and the kind of like the the different bows he's had in his career. Uh, right off the bat, the first one, Abraxas, mm-hmm. Caravan, Zebop, Supernatural. Yep, those five. Yep, that's what I would recommend. I, I agree too. Yeah. Also with the debut, the the, the self titled debut does, on yeah. there, just because that is. That was right after well, the, they were on the, the hot, the heat yep. of the. I mean, striking while it's hot. Yep. They were wise to get them in there when they were working, you know, post Woodstock, absolutely, and everything like that. But yeah, learn learn your Santana in there. Yeah, and and, and again, the this is we're talking about a, a, a musician who's been for most of our lifetimes more than it's like I don't I don't think any anybody that's listening to this has had a life where they don't remember Santana not being in it. You know, it's like Santana has been kind of a focal. He's, he's been around for so long that it's really easy to take for granted the musical input he's done, but it's so vital and Mm -hmm. it changed. It changed the world. It really did. And it was just this, this, this humble little fighter from Tijuana, Mexico, you know, just coming in and just climbing the wall of the film or trying to get in to see the dead. (laughs) I know. Yeah. You know what we need, you know, despite what you think about Bill Graham, and his history we need another Bill Graham I don't think we'll ever get somebody who kind of has that vision to, to, to get people because it's like the work that he did behind the scenes to make all these people stars yeah it's I, just like I'm not a big fan of how Bill Graham might have treated some of the musicians mm-hmm. but I'm a huge fan of how much he fighted for them. he fought oh, yeah. for them yeah he fighted for them I'm a huge fan of how much he fought for them so when you hear you know him or Carlos Santana talking about you know the stuff that you know the way that they he booked the ten thousand like he booked this whole string of yeah. festivals one bigger after the other like the warm up yeah the warm up culminating which they Woodstock. didn't even know what Woodstock was going to be at the time. no they they just had this idea that it was going to be this huge festival and boy they were they, they basically created a country yeah. for two days and so but like the first festival was ten thousand the next one was like twenty the next one was fifty yeah. the next one was ninety and culminating into the monster so. Um, that was Woodstock. So when you hear about, you know, Bill Graham and Bill Graham talking in his own words about Santana, like he's like, there's just something kind about him. He was, he was different yeah. than the other ones. He wasn't like some guy that, you know, had a bunch of money and that just did it just for the thrill. Yeah. It's like he really had this purity to him. And, and you kind of get that. It's like you get this idea that, that Carlos Santana is like, 
he's like your he's he's like your really soulful spiritual deal mm-hmm. who you know he's funny he says you know he's really considerate and courteous but he's you know he's a fighter he won't go and he won't and if something if he needs to say something he'll say it and you know yeah, every word counts he's only going to do yeah. something if he means it yeah you know, he's it, not going not wasteful and exactly <laughs> and he approaches music the same exact way yeah and i think that's also like when you see him being a bad leader he's one of those he's one of those guys that are just like okay he's very much in control of what he wants from the band yeah no rope-a-dope as he says no rope-a-dope, no rope-a-dope man. yeah no so he'll like tell exactly i want you to do this i want you to do this i want you to come in here i want you to come in here and his wife cindy blackman she you know she's saying the first time she ever saw him as a band leader he was really in control of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and that's it's you know like again it comes down to the vision and it also comes down to the people that he has you know like when we saw him when i saw him the first time it was walfredo reyes jr playing drums yep and then the second who's time, who's now playing with Chicago? Who's not playing with Chicago? You know, and he even mentions how Chicago had some songs of Congress, but that's not Latin. You know, that's not mm-hmm. that, that's not Latin rock. And then the next time I saw, the last time I saw him, uh, last time I saw him, it was Sydney Black Blackman. Yeah. Oh, well, you were you were here yeah. at the Epic uh, Canyon. That was in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually it was September 27th, 2011. One it was two now. days ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two days ago, yeah, because when I thought, so, which you can listen to the full interview with Carlos Santana. Uh, it was the day yeah. we saw the movie. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It was, it was, it was September 27th. Wow, wow. That was amazing. A, see, 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 Carlos is guiding. Me- Metatron was gu- was guiding us. Okay, I want to tell you a funny yeah. story. So I saw one of the times I saw Santana. Also went to the uh, KLOS. There's a classic rock station yes. in Los Angeles. I believe it's a. Uh, 95.5 I don't 95.5. know what the, 95.5 yeah. now was their anniversary and they charged $9.55 to see <laughs> Santana and I was working at uh, we were working at the music stores yeah. Blockbuster Music and so Ticketmaster so they were selling those KLOS tickets and I believe I don't know if it was at the Forum or it was at the Arrowhead Pond I can't remember where it was but I took my mom and my sisters went and then Marcos and his ex-wife went. Right, right. So we all shut. We, you know, we just happen to see each other. So my sisters go, well, we're sitting over there. I said, well, mom and I are going to sit closer up to the front. So we were probably because I worked at that Ticketmaster outlet. I got good Your tickets. Mom was up there? Yeah, my mom <laughs> took me. Uh, me and my mom were sitting up there close. We were probably like in the fifth row from the front. Yeah, it was amazing. But when you talk about people smoking out, oh yeah, oh man. So well, my mom's all, mom was all. Oh, I smell that. Well, there's that weed. Well, there's that story of Santana's parents going to see him for the It was the same thing. Like, I was going to stop it. I was like, we're watching the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Same thing. Same thing. Yeah, with the weed, the joint. Yeah. uh, The poor kids. They're passing around that one cigarette. There was these these yuppies probably grew up listening to Santana. You know, and they're like, yo, let's go see Santana, man. Yeah. So they're smoking out. And I remember (laughs) they come reach over. And it's like my mom's sitting to my left, and the guy's all tries and like offers it to my mom, and my mom's all, "No, thank you." <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny, and I was like, "I will always remember that story." But uh, yeah, I miss my mom. Yeah, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, every yeah. everybody has probably has some sort of Santana story, whether yeah. it's supernatural, you listening to Smooth. I mean, because yeah. there was a, there was a whole other generation well, people it's, who it's, discovered Santana. It's a meme. That. It's a meme. It's like it's not smooth. It's smooth. Yeah. By Santana featuring Rob, Rob Thomas Tom. from Matchbox Twenty. Have you ever seen that T-shirt that yeah. it says, "I'd rather be listening to Smooth featuring Rob, Rob Thomas of Matchbox Twenty? Exactly. <laughs> it's a meme. So it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it, what's funny? It's like listen, watching the movie and listening to Maria Maria mm-hmm. and just going, 
wow, this song still sounds good. You yep. know, and and it, you know, it's such a great album. You know, and yeah, who, yeah, who yeah. Knows, you know, who knows if you'll have a, a a third kind of like rise, but at this point, it doesn't. Even no, matter. it doesn't even matter. I mean, he did the the second album after that was kind of like a kind of the same concept, and then he did another one after that, like Mich- another return of Michelle you know Branch. What, you, you know what I'd love to see though? I would love to see a supergroup. I would love to see Santana being kind of like, kind of okay. Not not a fan of, of not of, you know, like I, I can't imagine who, but just like I'm imagining a supergroup of of like Carlos Santana, but where he's not Santana, he's just part of the group, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like Chickenfoot with yeah. like, but what but, a terrible but name the guitar, but the guitar you're gonna hear. You're, you're gonna know it's Carlos. Santana yeah, yeah, but but I mean it's like, it, 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 but it, it's like imagine like Chickenfoot is like Sammy Hagar, Joe Satriani, Michael Anthony, and Chad Smith from yeah. all these. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see Carlos Santana in a band kind of like that. Mm. I would love to see him as part of uh, of to see what they would do. Yeah, because that's I, I think that's the only thing that he hasn't done. He's been a band leader in Carlos Santana mm-hmm. forever, but the one thing he hasn't been is that he hasn't. Bit like David Bowie did with Tin Machine, mm-hmm. you know, where he just forms a band and yeah. they just start doing. Even if it's just one album, just to have something where it's just like, you know, it's he's part of a. Of a I still a I bought the actually bought that Tin Machine uh, tape. I, it's okay. Yeah, the, it's it's okay. Well, it, it's like the under same. the gun, under the gun. Well, it's it's basically it's a like Gabriel Reeves and the Ashburn brother, uh, uh, Asbury Ashburn, the brothers that used to play with Iggy Pop. Yeah, I think they only did one show. Yeah. They may have they may have only done yeah. one show. Yeah, and, and that, that was it. That was All it. right, so wrapping up, everybody, go see Carlos yeah. a Santana Journey or Carlos, whatever you see, just go see it. So uh, props to Rudy Valdez, yes. uh, director who put it together. Yes, uh, it's a great film. And just add it to your kind of collection of Santana of uh, following the career of Santana but it really is all in the music yeah I mean, it's all there as a musician and as a fan for Chili Dogs for Chili Dogs as a watcher of documentaries uh, three three yeah, yeah that's what fair, I mean. that, that that's fair that's yeah. fair because it's I think it's hard it, it's difficult okay so as a movie movie viewer uh, as like you said you gave three Chili Dogs as someone who's not well versed in yeah. Santana here history it's hard to kind of like to tell a story like that that's you know got yeah. decades decades under his belt and to be like so, so completely comprehensive that you'll actually want to watch from beginning yeah. to end now us as fans were perplexed yeah. I mean, we're we're just like we're watching it we're hanging on every word uh-huh. we want to make sure that we don't miss anything yep. boom 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 um and so yeah it's for the super fan yeah and and it's i don't see how it would make somebody watching you know this movie for the first time that doesn't know Carlos Santana will make them. I don't see how it'll make them go. I I want to listen to this guy's music. It's if, if anything, it's for the people that are already are aware of Carlos Santana and that will appreciate his music all over again. Yeah, because that's what it did for me. It made me appreciate not only the story, which I've heard and read yep. and, and aware of, but you know just everything that he that put into. But more than anything else, it, the unsung hero of this story is his mom. That's his, is his mom. She's the one that she's the one that gave him that drive. She's also the one that suffered the most when he left to do to do what he needed to do. And yeah, he, that 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 part in the film where yeah. they say, you know, don't realize how much your mom is missing you because yeah. she's just doing her thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, moms have very lonely hearts. Yeah, and so it, it's she was kind of like the core of the movie without actually saying it. And they show his reaction too when the sister says that it's like, you know, mom missed you. You know, and they, they cut to him and 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amen on that. So, yes, go see the Carlos documentary. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank, that was that was a lot of fun, by it the way. Was, hanging it was out. So we don't get fun. to do that. We don't get to do that. And I want to say a shout out to a uh, couple people that we saw out there. Uh, Michael Canchola, who I I would say this. He was the Bill Graham of Bakersfield. Oh, yeah. Because he gave us our shot to play when we were when my when our band Mento Buru were just kind of like we were kind of toiling in the crappy, you know, the fun. We were having a lot of fun. But when we wanted to break into the kind of the more adult Bakersfield uh, music scene, Michael Kenchell, who owns Suds Tavern in the Wall Street oh, yeah. Alley, which is now uh, a Horse and the Goose. or Yeah, Goose and the Goose. It used to be Muertos, and it was, yeah. yeah. The Goose and... <laughs> the on. Ghost and Mrs. Muir. <laughs> the Goose and Mrs. Muir. Hold on, the Ghost and the... The Ghost and the, the Goose and the Gander. The, the Goose <laughs> and the... I can't even spell goose. Hold on, the goose and the Bakersfield, two goats and the two goats and the goose. Okay, so where uh, in the Wall Street Alley, where two goats and a goose are located, right. that used to be a legendary Bakersfield music spot called two Goats Tavern. Two goats and the goose. Two goats and the goose. Yeah. Okay. So it's a, it formerly lo- Moritos. So it's located in the Wall Street Alley. Uh, what's it? What's it called there? Two goats and a goose and the goose. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe oh, I'm, you trying to test no, me? No, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get the edit point so you can like start over again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares that one? Okay. But well, so we thought. So we were over there, and I remember he came up to me and goes, "Oh man, it's just like Bakersfield right now. not coming out. Bakersfield right now is not coming out to support this." And yeah. I was like, uh, "Well, hey, listen, people got lives. Yeah, and, and the current candy fair is going and, on. And, so. and, and, and besides, yeah, no, and that movie theater. Let's be real, there was no." <laughs> Parking was not an issue when I had to, no, I I had to go park my car. And I asked, I asked one of the people that was working at one of the concession stand uh, folk, uh, you, "This place is really slow." And he's all, "Yeah, it's a fair." Yeah, it always happens with the fair. And the, yeah. and the, but again, it's like who knows? Maybe everybody went to the to the Studio Grill showing at seven forty-five. You know? Yeah. Who knows? Which I thought we were going to see it in an IMAX, but then it ended up being in Barbie. Yeah. Barbie was there. I was like, Barbie I thought I bought the IMAX. I thought I bought the IMAX tickets. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so go see Carlos yeah. at, the, at movie theaters. I oh, know it's going to go and, uh, global. And Mike was hanging out with Ruben Moran. He was uh, the, one of the percussionists here. Yes, Ruben Moran. Yeah. Uh, he always he always goes uh, he always goes places to big full jazz workshops. Yes, so that's great to see you guys. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to see him. Yeah. All Ruben right, so let's let's talk let's quickly let's talk about the second film. Yeah, the second film I saw this week. It was a light week for movies. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna because of the to, fair. Because of the fair. <laughs> that's it. The so, whole entire movie industry. The entire you know, movie. The strike is over and the writers' strike. But you know what? Current kind of fair is going on. Yep. Yeah, that's going it. Out. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. What'd you see? Expendables four, God. with four you sat you've sat through all four of I've, these films. I've seen all okay. Four. Tell me yeah. what happened, which is the super. It's a film kind of like the oh. super group. It's got Jason Statham, Jason Statham, Sylvester Stallone, Sylvester Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, uh, Morgan Fox, Morgan Fox, uh, Ken Shamrock, uh, Fifty Cent, which what? I which produced one of the most uh, uh, either self aware jokes of the whole movie. Which is at one point in the movie, uh, pimp. Uh, uh, <laughs> hold on a second. So Ken, I, when you said Cam Shamrock, a name I have not heard for a long time. Yes, a UFC legend, but uh, never beat Royce Gracie. Yeah, they, they they make a joke about his ear, about his cauliflower ear. Yeah. Uh, but at one point in the movie, there's this Fifty Cent's song, PIMP, is playing. To create a diversion mm-hmm. for a bunch of people, and you know th- these, 
there's a lot of throat slitting, a lot of throat stabbing, a lot of headshots, a lot of it's it's funny how the how action movies have changed post John Wick, you know, and just in terms of speeds and ferocity of action. The movie is freaking terrible. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. It's really bad. For those of you in the back, it's really, really Okay, but well let me ask you this. How many people are in the movie theater when Zero. you watch it? <laughs> Zero. I you know what you know what aisle I had? Movie theater. <laughs> it was it was so it, here's the thing. It's not it's such a terrible movie, but it's what it is. If yeah. you if you anybody going to see Expandables Four is it going to see is it going to go to see like <laughs> You've been watching uh, a lot of these movies lately. Uh, yeah, you the know, Nun. The, the, uh, it, it, look at it this way: the Nun was the conversation by Coppola compared to this movie. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the thing is, it's like you can. You, this isn't from like a movie snob perspective. It's just a really, really bad movie. There are no, there's no twist in this movie that you don't see coming a mile away, uh-huh. and it's just made. It's made for the 13 year old, but not just that. The 13-year-old crappy bully, because oh. the, there's a point in the movie that there's like there's, the thing that it reminded me of is that, that, that multiple times in the movie they try to go like, "Hey, be respectful of women," but the way that they do it is very much in the way that a really kind of chauvinistic guy would allow to have respect for the women. Like, there's still jokes about like, you know, dick size and there's still size. There, there's still jokes about. You know, men's, you know, men's uh, members, men's, men's members size, you know, members only, members only. Yeah. There's still, you know, the, you know, it, it, they rip off Mr. and Mrs. Smith. They rip off a whole bunch of other movies. The CGI, all the cliches, all the cliches. You know, there's this part of the movie where there's a, you know, they, you know, it, it gets homophobic with some of the really homophobic with some of the stuff that they say. Hey, I'm not but, into that you know, stuff. You know, so, say it for somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm just, you know, it, 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 it's like one of those kinds of movies that proclaim. That like really derives a lot of pride on how un PC it mm-hmm. actually is, but then what it really comes across as is like a movie that doesn't know what it is. Like, is are you kind of just going all the board? It, it just it's like a fifty year old, not fifty, no more like a more like a sixty year old dude mm-hmm. smoking a cigar, telling raunchy jokes at the bar and saying, "Oh, you just can't handle it." Huh? It's like, no, you smell bad and your jokes are crap. <laughs> so it's like it's like what. You're, you're kind of asking for people to, to like you for what it is, and, but what it is isn't that much. Mm-hmm. This is a Jason Statham movie, and Jason Statham has a lot of charisma and is very fun what was to the name? Watch. What was the name of the movie? Transporter. Transporter. Those were fun. And those so do you think he should have just done another Transporter over this? No, because they. this is almost like they had to... Like, just to Stallone. get everybody together. Yeah, and, and Sylvester Stallone is... Barely. This is basically a Jason Statham movie with a Sylvester Stallone cameo. Mm. That's it. Morgan Morgan Fox. Are is, they starting to fade? Like Sly is starting to kind of fade more towards the back I, I think, of the films. I, I think so. I think. And Bruce Willis, obviously not in this one. No, obviously not. No, Poor no, guy. None of the other guys are. And, and it's like at one point. Was the, he in? Was he in the Expendables? Bruce Willis? I think he was. I think he was in the first one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Mel Gibson was in the third. Uh, Helen Mirren was in the first one, wasn't she? She was in one of them. <laughs> but then she ended up being in the Fast and Furious oh, yeah. franchise, you know. But and then she was in Red with Bruce. Yeah, Lewis, that's that's what it was. That's what it was. That's which was, was actually a better movie than both than all the four of them combined. <laughs> and l- let me see. Let me see. Uh, the first Expendables movie was fun. 
because it was like, oh, look, at, look yeah. they got the band back together. Yeah. But this one is kind of like, it, it's it's like, what do you think people want to see in an expandable? This is this is this is not a movie. This is a movie made by committee. You know, this is like, what do you think? It's like if there, this is almost like an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like, what would you like to see in an action movie with Sylvester Stallone and Jason Statham? I want to see this. I want to see this. I want to hear these kind of jokes. I want to see this. I want you know, and, and they just did it. There are quick films that will be hits around the world because they're easy to watch and I, I like a lot of a lot of these films, like these expendable films, uh-huh. are huge in foreign markets. Yeah, and, and because you get to see everybody together who like. Arnold Schwarzenegger has still has a huge career overseas. I mean, they gave him to be spokesperson in like uh, Japanese products. Yeah, uh, Sly, Sylvester Stallone. All of them are huge, hugely successful. If you want to see huge, if you want to see Sylvester Stallone in something fun and worth watching, go watch Tulsa King. On, on or Oscar, or Oscar. Go watch Oscar. Go watch any. Go watch Rocky, or yeah, Rocky Two, or Rocky Three, or Rocky Four. Rambo, Rambo. Yes. First Blood, Part First Blood Two, two First you Blood. Know, the first two. Yeah, That's exactly. It. Heck, don't you know? Don't shoot my mother. Maybe three. It's like uh, don't sh- my mom is don't shoot oh, my don't, mom. Yeah, yeah. No, wait, wait, wait. Stop or my mom will shoot. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> one. That one. Watch that one. You know, it's 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 whatever. Watch the first Expendables. Yeah. But the the thing is, like this movie. It's like this movie has such a high body count mm-hmm. and it goes by really quick. But one of the last jokes is about how one of the members of the Expendables murdered somebody and it's treated as like a joke. It's like just straight up murdered him. It's like, what did, what did this guy have to do? Nothing. He's just come, he, he's introduced in the movie as kind of like this, this kind of like incompetent heavy. And then later on you find out, oh, he's, he just got straight up murdered. And, oh, whoa. <laughs> no, seriously. Oh that's exactly God. what it's played off. And then, you know, cut fade to black. And, oh, and then the rock and roll comes on. And then directed by. And it's directed well, kind of. But it, it's the CGI and the green screen is just so bad. Just crap. Okay, just so how bad. how many chili one. dogs? No, one, one, one. I don't even know if I should give him a, it's a, No, just a dog. <laughs> Just a dog. Just an uncooked just, wiener. Uh, just an uncooked wiener and, and and bread and moldy bread. Like cooked cooked on the asphalt on a, on a hot day. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I would. This is one of those movies that I would dare myself to revisit like ten years from now, just to see how it aged. Mm-hmm. And it'll it, show up on the on the Sunday film on Channel Five. Yeah, this the, ex, the Expendables ten thousand Expendable. If there's an Expendables five. I will be shocked. You're gonna protest. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just. You're oh, gonna break something. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just. I'm gonna weep for the, st- for the standard. Of, I'm gonna be like you guys, you guys, uh, you. Guys, it's like the strike ended because of this. Yeah. Y- we got this. You know, it's like it, it, it was just. It's poorly written, poorly conceived, uh, poor special effects. Uh, the only good part of the movie is Jason Statham, yeah. but then of course Jason Statham is just going to be Jason Statham, yeah. and he's already got so many different franchises where he's just being Jason Statham. Uh, but I will say, Tony Jaa in the movie, it's fun to see him fight. But again, he's one of those monk characters where it's like I promised I would never ever, you know, use my fists for killing. And then of course, what does he do? Ten minutes later, starts killing, <laughs> starts killing, starts ripping, starts wiping out people. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> All right, so. One dry, stale wiener. Yeah, with uh, with moldy <laughs> bread, and even that, I think I'm being generous. <laughs> okay, so Carlos and oh. Carlos documentary. Go see it that gets, twice. Just go see the. Yeah, twice. just go see Carlos twice. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I guess that's E News. Thank you, Cesario. Yeah, my pleasure.
Thanks for listening to the Real Talk podcast. If you'd like to catch Real Talk on Terrestrial Radio, you can catch the live broadcast every Friday from 10 a.m. to noon on Forge 103.9 FM in the Kern County area. You can also stream the show and podcast from Forge1039.com. And if that's not convenient enough, you can also follow and subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts. Technology is amazing. Thanks again. 